Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Across from me is Joey D. Hello, Vicky. Missing from the equation is said BJ Shea. He's gone. We don't know what happened to him. I mean, that's usually the case. We didn't put a life alert on him, though, this time, did He's we? He's fallen, and he can't get up, but... Well, Hopefully Lassie will find him. <laughs> uh, he'll use his board game powers to somehow find a way. Or maybe, yes, Lassie will pick him up with her mouth. I don't know. Something. What are we talking about today, Joe? Well, on the podcast today, Vicky, we will have Gareth Vaughn Kallenbach joining us to talk about some Marvel rumor news involving Tom Holland. He'll Ooh. give us his review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. You got to see it already? He did. He's oh. a lucky man. And he's got some DLC news coming from Back from Dead. Ooh. Lovely stuff. We'll talk about some interesting Amazon shows that are on. Okay. The latest episode of Andor, not spoilery because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. It's a great show. All right. And more. More. Including the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. But Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and that more. I like more. <laughs> but just search BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Odyssey app. Bop, and you'll find us. Bop. You'll find bop, us. Because that's us, where we us, like us, to us. be found. <laughs> but you know who you can find there as well? It's Gareth Von Kalbach on our lovely podcast. He is going to join us, and I say we get right into some news. Gareth Von Kalbach from Skewed and Reviewed, that is SKNR.net, joins us. Gareth, I hear we have some more rumors, and you know I love Marvel rumors. What uh, do you have in your back pocket for us? Well, this just dropped, and it hasn't been confirmed, but you have about six major outlets are reporting that the deal is imminent, so this is... Uh, Really impressive. But the word is Tom Holland is about to sign a massive extension for Spider-Man. Oh, how many more movies are we getting? Right now, they're saying that it is a new trilogy and at least two other films, which are rumored to be the Avengers movies. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Because I originally had heard that Tom Holland wasn't sure if he was going to do more Spider-Man, but five movies, including two team-up movies? This is going to be awesome. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of the tactic. It's the old, you always say, well, I'm not sure because your contract's up. And uh, then that starts the whole process of, well, do we want to recast? Do we want to move forward? Marvel has shown that as long as the actors want to do them, they find a way to do it. Now, his was, of course, complicated because it's that joint deal between Sony and Marvel. So essentially, I think it's, you got to cut your deal with Sony, but Marvel has to be okay with it. And there you have it. And also that it's, well, how many do you want to do Sony Marvel? What are your plans on? And it all gets worked out. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome because I know that five movies is far more than I would have ever guessed. I would have assumed we would have at least got one more of the whole, you know, wrapping up that arc and stuff, maybe before secret wars. And I mean, Tom Holland's a young actor, so he's got a long road ahead of him. But to hear five is, I mean, that's as best as we were going to get. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny, you think about it and you can play the game of going, boy, that's a huge investment. But then if you look back to Robert Downey Jr., how many appearances as, Mar as Iron Man did he cram into 10 years? Oh, it seems like a bunch. Yeah, I mean, he had, what was it? Yeah, the three movies, you had four Avengers films, you had Spider-Man No Way Home, and then he had Captain America Civil War. So he was able to cram in a lot of films in a, you know, 
in a relatively small window when you consider standalone films were coming out like every three years. So every other year practically, or every year and a half, he was popping up in something else. Yeah, and it's no doubt that people think that Tom Holland Spider-Man is at least the friendliest. So it doesn't surprise me that they'd want to throw him as many, in, in, in and as many movies as they could. And it also goes to show that this stuff about Marvel already having 10 years planned out is pretty accurate. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if there's probably an option somewhere down the line because based on what the release dates are, they are not going to have three standalone films out before both of the Avengers films. No, and I can't imagine Sony's uh, really hurting at this point after all the profit they're probably seeing from the success from those movies. Absolutely, and here's the thing. I'd probably go so far as to say it might be a surprise if they get one of these new films out before the Avengers Secret War film. So what you probably may have is a brand new trilogy kicking things off after Secret Wars, because what are we looking at? Like the first one's, I think, two years away, or th- and then the other one's three years away. Even if you started filming now on a new Spider-Man, you're probably looking at minimum of two years to get it into the theater. And when they really want to open up a whole new set of storylines right as they're you know, building up to these Avenger films? That's very true. So we're thinking maybe even a new arc after these films. I kind of like it. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to go, or at the very least, maybe one in between the two Avengers films or something like that. But it makes you wonder. Yeah, definitely. I mean, more rumors and great ones right now. I mean, can't go wrong with uh, some more Spider-Man, especially if it's going to be by Tom Holland. Uh, Moving on from that, though, I heard that there's some uh, gaming news, a little Back for Blood DLC is coming. Absolutely. And this was really interesting because while the game has had a fair amount of content release, there's been a lot of uh, debate that, well, it's mostly cosmetic, it's mostly this in nature, When are we going to get something to advance the story? Well, the last DLC we got finally advanced the storyline by giving us a campaign, and it was more than just a couple of missions. It was a pretty solid update that introduced new factions, new locations, really moved things along, so people were really happy. And then all of a sudden, uh, just the other day, we're told, coming this December, there's a new one called Ripper of Blood, and guess what? This, too, is going to have a brand-new campaign. So you went from, boy, it's been almost a year since release. When are we going to get new campaign content other than, uh, you know, a new game mode, a tweak to it, a game mode, that sort of thing, to new campaign a few months later, here's another one. Dan, that is awesome. I know one of the hardest things to do in the gaming industry is to roll out content fast. I mean, especially after the launch of a game, things get more difficult. You want to really provide your customers with what they want after you get feedback. To get two different downloads this quickly is is awesome. And also, are they are they paid? Are they free? What do you have to do to get them? They are free for those that have the, uh, uh, excuse me, if you have the right setup. There's the, uh, there are various editions, like some that you buy that came that included the downloads, some that were just basic. I believe this will be a paid download, but it is a loaded content uh, pack, that is for sure. And, I mean, we're hearing everything from new enemies, new locales, uh, just, you know, really advancing it. And I kind of wonder if, like, the plan was, it almost seems like, because these were not your standard DLC where you get a couple of missions or a couple of maps, these were full-on campaigns, and I was kind of surprised at actually how much gameplay. I want to say the last one had like five chapters. It was it was fairly long, 
Not that it was ridiculously long, but it was long enough that it was it surprised me for DLC. And I kind of just thought that maybe they just sat there and they were essentially almost crafting a new game, and then they said, with the understanding that they would be DLC. So that's kind of why there was such delay, that they got to a point and said, this will be the first five, this will be the next five, and then three, four months later, then there's the next five. That way you're not getting that eight-month, nine-month, a year gap between uh, missions. Yeah, it's a smart idea. I know games like The Division and Destiny have tried to do things like that. The Division a little less so, but Destiny really leaned on that whole, we should just expand our game by launching essentially new story arcs as DLC. Oh, absolutely. And see, and that came up very clearly in um, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. There were They were putting out the campaign. Uh, they put out the campaign, and then they put out the DLC, and they were just like a few months apart. They were, I want to say, no more than three months apart. And people started complaining, saying, well, gee, you know, these are nice, but they're not nearly as long. I can get through each of these in about an hour. These aren't as long. And then the rumors came out that they took some of the planned DLC and crammed it into the core game to make it longer and full. And people say, you know, you look at this mission and this mission, they don't really go into the core game, but they're a little longer. And so, you know, that's kind of the trick when they come out and they sell the game and say, we're going to have DLC packages. You have certain games where you expect, okay, within three months of release, first one's coming, the next one. These guys just basically said, hey, new stuff's coming. Release stuff on a timely fashion. But, you know, you can see there's a big difference between saying your next new campaign's coming in three months to new content's coming uh you know sit tight yeah exactly and you know it doesn't surprise me because there's kind of a stigmatism to dlc in general just the 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 term and how gamers view it because i remember back in the day i used to just kind of be like you're gonna pay a lot of money for maybe an hour's worth of stuff where nowadays it's definitely a lot cheaper and you definitely get a lot more game time a lot more uh you know production into it and really uh, a great story arc a lot of times at least from my experience with destiny and that kind of dlc Absolutely. And you always have to be careful. I always think back to the original Rage that the game ended and it was a solid game, but like the ending, I was kind of gearing up for his big boss battle didn't come. The game just ended. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of surprising. So I guess there's a sequel coming. Oh, interesting. A sequel sequel did come many years later, but was only loosely connected to the original. But they ended up with a DLC, and I want to say it was like 11 months later it came out, but there wasn't a lot of hype. There was none of this, don't worry, folks, DLC's coming. I I remember I was actually getting to the point of deleting the game because I had played through everything, and I'm like, well, I guess that's going to be it. And then out of the blue, I get an email saying, Rage DLC will, you know, releasing in in just a few days. And I was like, oh, okay, hold on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now that's how they bring you back in. I can't say I blame them. It's a it's a great way to re uh, re energize your franchise. Uh, so more to look out on that, and hopefully some more DLC for Back for Blood that people will be enjoying. Um, before you get out of here, Gareth, I heard that you got to see Wakanda Forever, and there has been a lot of good things, but a lot of uh, interesting things said about this movie. Maybe not so much as much action as we would think from a Marvel movie. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, it, it, it's exactly that. When I came out and we here when we see the movies, there's a studio rep right outside, and you have to tell them right there what your thoughts were. There wasn't the you know, usual thing if you get to go back, think about it, write your review, send it in. And 
you know, my take was you have a situation. It's kind of like good and bad, and it's going to be what are you willing to accept? So on one hand, you have a very slow-moving setup that is basically a a two-and-a-half-hour eulogy for Chad Bozeman. Very well-filmed, really nice visuals, but I'm referring to not the CGI visuals, the actual costumes and the settings and the locales that the CGI complement. Sure. So that was a really good thing. You had some very good performances in the film. But when you go to the Marvel standpoint, people are going to say, oh, well, yeah, okay, it didn't have all the explosions and stuff. And that's kind of where you're at. You, you get to a situation where you don't have the charismatic lead like Chadwick Boseman. And it's very evident, especially when they make flashbacks or references to him. You have a cast of very good supporting characters, but you don't have that lead who is just pushing it over the top and the larger than life presence that commands the screen that we've been used to seeing in the Marvel films. And so, you know, we're introduced to the, the enemy and it's like, yeah, he's annoying, but you don't have that megalomaniac. I'm going to destroy everything. It seems more like he's paying it lip service than actually wanting to follow through on it. And it's kind of the old, <laughs> if, if you do this, this, and this, I won't do this. But if you don't do this, I will do this. And it's like, wow, that's kind of a... Uh, I'm not used to seeing my bad guys negotiate uh, on what to some could be reasonable terms. But the action does come, but it's in it's in spurts. And when they get to the, what I would call the big finale action scene, it does seem a lot more restrained. And I think a big problem with that is the last two Avengers films and the, you know, uh, Captain America, Civil War, that sort of thing. They set such an over-the-top standard for these amazing eye-popping spectacles that when you scale it back and you have a more tighter character-driven uh, film, that's it. And so I said, you know, from an adult standpoint, I look at it and say, that was a bold move to cut back on this stuff, to cut back on the over-the-top superhero stuff, take a very slow-building story, let the characters uh, carry it versus, you know, a commanding presence. But at the same time, I said, if I was a teenager or someone young going into this thinking it's going to be the latest nonstop action thrill ride, you're going to be sadly disappointed. I mean... You have to be patient with it, but it does open up so many other things. And now we're hearing stories just today that Disney Plus is considering all kinds of uh, Wakanda-themed shows for the streaming service, uh, as well as some other things. Like we even heard Indiana Jones is being eyed for a streaming service series after the new film drops. So, you know, that's the trick with Marvel. You You can't say... I need instant gratification because you have to understand this is just one piece in a much larger picture. Yeah, I mean, very, very interesting, and I kind of feel like that is what I had read from most reviews. It's just not exactly what people were expecting, but at the same time, they were really open to it because they knew that Chadwick Boseman wasn't going to be replaced, and like you said, there wasn't going to be that main storyline hero that you get in most movies. It was going to be almost like a eulogy, like a grieving process, kind of like a growth movie. Exactly. And, you know, and that is kind of the life imitating art. It was 
Marvel, he passed away unexpectedly. They had already had plans for a sequel in place. They had to retool it. And that whole debate of we can't recast him, we can't use like a CGI double and that sort of thing. And as production went on, his brother had kind of said, you know, he'd probably be okay with the character continuing. But they had to play that, you know, no-win situation. Yeah. You can't. If you recast him, you're, it's considered disrespectful right off. But how do you carry on without him? Do you just scrap the film or put it on hold until a certain amount of time? But there were elements, I guess, that needed to be done. So they went ahead and they cleverly said, what would happen if the character passed unexpectedly? And they have to deal with it, as well as the extended universe. How would Wakanda go on with this? the same way that Marvel is essentially going, how do we go on without this character? And as it, like I said, it is essentially a giant eulogy and a healing, a way to honor him on all sides, both the character in the film and in the actor, and move forward. And, and I, think- I, I can tell you, there were people getting pretty emotional during aspects of the film. Yeah, I can imagine. I think that if you are a big Black Panther fan, that's probably what you ended up wanting without knowing it. It's kind of hard, like you said, because you got to cater to all the audiences, but I think it sounds like Marvel did a great job. Because again, this wasn't getting poorly reviewed or anything like maybe even the the Thor, the Doctor Strange's. It wasn't, it's falling, it's uh, reviewing higher than that. So it makes me think that they probably nailed it with a, a what was almost a no-win scenario. Absolutely. And you know, my big thing is I'm very curious to see what the extended run of this is going to be. It's going to open huge because it's a Marvel film. People are interested in the first film. There's going to be a curiosity. So I expect it's going to have a huge weekend. So the question I would look at is going to be, when the smoke clears, where is it going to be box office-wise? Is it going to open big and fade, or is it going to have some legs for a few weeks? You know, you can look at it and say... There's a decent number of films coming between now and the holidays, but is there really that knockout blockbuster? And I kind of look at it and go, okay, well, Disney's got an animated film, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But right now, I'm saying until December 16th, when Avatar Way of the Water comes out, is there really the big epic film to challenge this? And while I'm not saying it's going to stay number one, I could say it could do steady business all the way through until, as I said, the next big blockbuster arrived. Can't say I disagree with you there, but uh, only time will tell. We'll have to see if it does end up putting up those big numbers. Uh, Gareth, thank you so much for joining us. Again, that's Gareth Von Kalmbach from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. Thank you so much for joining us, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Thank you, Gareth, so much again, SKNR.net. If you want to find out more information about the gaming and movie world, Gareth does great work over there. Vicky, mm-hmm. I've been watching Andor. How are you liking it? Andor is awesome. It's oh. slow, but I like it. I am surprised to hear all of that. Yeah, so the, it's interesting the way they've done these episodes. They essentially got uh, a director or two to film three episode kind of story arcs within the same timeline. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is the third arc now that we're on. So is it like different arcs, different characters? Kind of like that whole when they had uh, Jeremy Renner do the Bourne identity thing? Kind of a similar... Imagine the three Bourne movies, right? Uh They're all Jason Bourne, and they all follow the same world about him getting Uh hunted, except Uh that in each movie they kind of have their own story arcs. Similar to this one, he's Cassian Andor, Mm -hmm. he's 
trying to like essentially build the rebellion up from the ground under, but he's like the rebel who doesn't want to do anything and he's just getting paid. And you see all the lovely politicians who are getting screwed over by the emperor, who they mention a lot, which is awesome in this show. And they're essentially grooming him to be the kind of freedom fighter they need who could be on the front line because every, they don't have money, the politicians, but they can't, you know, they can't fight because they're in the politics themselves. Ah. So these three, uh, these three different uh, directors now that we've had, um, all build that story into three different storylines. So essentially, it's like what he does in the first three is he, how, where it was his origin, mm-hmm. and then the next one's him kind of doing a rebellious thing, and this one's him getting captured, and so okay. it's very awesome. To see the world grow, because in the last step, you know, Mandalorian, you get Mando and Baby Yoda. Kind of like a monster of the week or scenario. Yeah, where they're kind of doing, all the things revolve around what they're doing, Mm -hmm. if you will. Where this show is more, everything's happening in the Galactic Empire. How is it affecting the worlds around it? And, you know, when they make one action in one world, it affects the politics in a different one. And you get to see kind of like the birth of the bad... Uh, Emperor's world, the stormtroopers, everything like because you're, you're always like, you know, what did Darth Vader do that was really that bad? You know, all we see him do is kind of conquer planets, if you will, but you never really see him like destroy anything until like you know they shoot them with the Death Star, right. which can't recommend shooting planets with the Death Star, guys. That kind of makes you bad guy quickly. Mm, but yeah. how did they get to that point? And okay. it's just very fun to watch this kind of backstory because we already know what happens to him, obviously. In, in Rogue, Rogue One. One and then A New Hope. Yeah, but, ah, oh, man, you just get so much more world building and political intrigue. And that's what I love. It's what I loved about Game of Thrones. Okay. Like, the dragons are cool, whatever, but I like to see how the characters work together and where the danger comes from. Where and... the chess pieces lie. Exactly. And uh, this show's been doing that great. I know it's not the highest rated Star Wars show. I know it's been doing okay on Disney in terms of... And I think BJ said he was, like, okay with it. He wasn't a big fan of uh, Andor, the actor who plays Andor, yeah, Diego he, Luna. Yeah, he doesn't like Diego Luna that much. And I kind of get what he says. You know, so it's funny. Game of Thrones has that problem where, like, the dark scenes are too dark and he can't see anything. My problem with the Star Wars scenes is they're too quiet and you can't hear anything. Ah, and then all of a sudden, pew, pew, right? No. Yeah, and it's like, well, this is weird. There, there, there's some interesting dialogue here that I kind of wish I could hear. It's supposed to play to that kind of like uh, tense drama that's happening within the Ooh, prison. Almost like uh, when they get real quiet in a horror movie. Yeah. And they do a jump scare, if you will, just to kind of build up that anticipation and the anxiety a little bit of the viewer. Yeah, but in the back of my head, I'm like, I, am I supposed to hear what they're saying? This seems important. They're about to break out of the prison, I think. And then they don't. And I'm like, wait, what? And they, and one of the big things in this show is there's seven levels of this prison. Okay. And they're on one, and they're trying to communicate with the other levels. Sounds but, like it could be a board game. Yeah, and they do it via... Sign language. Okay. Which is very interesting. And if it was a board game, it'd be shoots and ladders and they'd all die. So it's probably good it's (laughs) not a board game. (laughs) I I was going to say, like, do you watch shows with subtitles? I have, yes. Okay. Okay. Tangent here. I used to hate subtitles. My roommate used to put them on all the time. And I got used to it. So I watch him with subtitles. And then I made fun of him once. I'm like, you got me into subtitles. He's like, well, I learned it from your ex-boyfriend. He used to watch it with subtitles. And he's like, well, sometimes you don't catch everything. Yeah. Or you're eating a snack. You miss something. Oh, yeah. And like, I can't watch shows without subtitles now. I grew up watching some of those old school animes when I was like 10 or Ah, 11. So I never had the barrier that people do have with it. Because your first thought is, well, how am I going to be able to watch what's happening when I'm reading what's happening? 
your brain really fills a lot mm. in for you. It's weird. Like you only read maybe a, a little bit of it. So are, are these the dub shows or, or like the ones Sub that shows, are so. just actual like it's in Japanese? Yeah, exactly. Because okay. they were the old school ones. I I grew up in a, a high school with a lot of my friends that watched some of that stuff, and they were they turned me on to. They're like, you got to watch the one. You know, of course, everyone has their best. Of a something of a category. Was it Inuasha? Like uh, the things, Naruto was Naruto, one. Like the things that were popular when we were in high school kids. Yeah. Like 15 <laughs> plus years ago. Ah, <laughs> Cowboy Bebop, you know. That was a big one. And uh, Trigun, I think, were the three that yes. I ended up watching. And I, I know Bleach was very popular as well as, oh, what was that other one? One Piece, I think, was one. One Piece. It was Inuasha and oh, Roroni Kenshin. There you go. That was the one I was thinking of. So anyways, I have... Don't Going have, back to Andrew. Yeah, back, back to Andrew. I don't have that problem with reading uh, any of the subtitles. But no, this show has just done a great job of kind of pulling you in. I will admit... Fully, full disclosure, same thing I would make complaints with Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. With this Star Wars show, you're not getting Jedi, and you're not getting fights. You're not getting you know, blast fights. You'll get that here and there, and they're well done when they do them. But mm-hmm. you're getting maybe five minutes to a 50-minute episode at most. So you're not getting that like Mandalorian theme of the day where right. there's going to be a conclusion with a big battle every, every okay. episode. I'm a little surprised because you typically don't like the slower things. Or at least that was your complaint with, I believe, the Sandman yes. uh, series. Yes. It was a little too slow. Yeah, um, it's tough. But, I mean, it's it's a completely different monster. No different pun genre, I think, is what yeah. it is. Slow fantasy is hard for me to grasp onto because, you you know, especially if it's very dialogue-driven because mm-hmm. it's in the old – they do the old-timey thing where it's set in an old time with a very advanced magic system, mm-hmm. which to me just kind of gets slow. Again, gotcha. not bad, just slow. This is more – Tension driven, yeah. if okay. you will. Oh, okay. Because he's a he's a rebel, and that's and I and I guess it probably helps that I already know where the storyline's going. That makes sense. So I can fill in those boring parts, which again does always help when you're right. watching a TV show. If you know a lot more about the show, you're probably gonna like it more, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fair. But yeah, I definitely recommend it for people who just like the Star Wars universe. Not so much if your kids like. You know, where are my blasters and my Jedi? Right. And I'm like, I get that. I've been there. I've had that nerd rage. So more of a political in, in was it political intrigue intrigue show? Yes, but that's what I've been watching, and that's pretty much <laughs> it because everything else is wrapped up. I know everything's wrapping up, but I feel like we're about to get a buttload more of more stuff because there's a lot of rumors going around, a lot of things that are going to be released in the near future. Which like, there's a big one, obviously that Gareth already talked about that we'll bring up a little bit during the geek sheet. Uh, but if you do want to show, actually, one I saw, so on our, our day jobs is at a radio station, and somebody had texted into the radio show asking if we've heard of this movie, Ooh. or excuse me, not movie, show. Ooh. <laughs> and this is the an uh, Amazon Prime show. Okay, Amazon Prime's hit or miss, but they do have some very good stuff. Boy, The Boys, Invincible. Right. Uh, Ring of Power has not been getting... <laughs> People aren't really feeling it. Rings of Power, the most average billion dollar show you've ever seen. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sure it's beautiful. Still haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I yep. really care at this point, just based on every, what everyone else has been saying. And I'm still salty at Amazon Prime for canceling Paper Girls. So, uh, well, you know, you've lost Vicky already, but yes. maybe she'll come back. With no, this. I, I came back because uh, this show is called Perif the Peripheral. I can't even say like it. Peripheral Vision. Yes. Oh, okay. And they had me when I saw that. Was it Chloe Moritz? Chloe Grace Moretz. She, she played Hit Girl. Hit Girl, thank you. In Kick Ass. Okay, she did Kick Ass. She is a badass. I love her. Uh, but this is supposed to be like a sci fi show with Jonathan, produce, executive producers, Jonathan Nolan. I believe that is uh, Christopher Nolan's brother. It's got to be, right? I believe so. I think they're both uh, into this whole thing. But apparently, this, like, everyone has been raving about this show. 
So I looked into it. I'm like, okay, what is it? So this is set in a future when technology has subtly altered society. A woman discovers a secret connection to an alternate reality as well as a dark future of her own. And as of right now, it is getting, well, I'm I'm sure it's not going to change. It is getting, it got 74% on the tomato meter, 88% audience score. Okay, so it definitely sounds like a hit. It does look kind of badass. You got the little mystery intrigue, like what's going on in this world. If you like sci-fi, I feel like this is going to be right up your alley. I like sci-fi. Now, Amazon, you and I have been at odds recently. Mm -hmm. We know. I may have given your Lord of the Rings Billion Dollar Show a 3 out of 10. But it's a new day. It's a new show. Vicky, mm-hmm. do you think we should watch it? I think so. Well, we did. Did you hear that uh, Westworld was canceled? Ha! Ha ha, After the BJ. fourth season. Oh, the last season was the best season ever. Oh, it was so good it got canceled. That's too bad. Right. Sorry, so, that's just a uh, tell me I was right without telling you I'm right kind of thing. <laughs> so basically, I'm reading more like another uh, synopsis of it. It's... Uh, The short version is that Flynn, which is Chloe Moretz Grace, and Burton Fisher, played by Jack Reiner, are beta testing what they think is merely a premium VR rig. It succeeds in that respect, but it also connects the two to London 70 years in the future. It's apparently an apocalypse coming that could redefine the world as we know it. This is definitely a show from the team behind Westworld. So I don't know if it's like literally the team from behind Westworld or... That same idea hey, of the team. I'll give it this. If it's the team behind Westworld when they did season one and two, that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. Again, Westworld's original series or season was, I mean, phenomenal. And if you have a complete story and you have an arc for it and you think you know where you can tell you can tell it and you know where you're gonna go with it, I'm all in. And you did mention time travel. Little time little time travel. Just but I'm wondering bit. if it's like an actual time travel or if it's like them peeking into the future. Because time travel when they go back. Back, back. Always seems to be like a lot of messed up. But how many shows do we see is t- jumping into the future? Premonitions are fine okay. because they're not guaranteed. Okay. So you can work with that in your story. When you go into the past and you're trying to change your future and then the movie tells you how that works, then mm-hmm. they break their own rules, you can have a problem. I'm well, just saying. There were a few uh, in this article. They did pull a couple of tweets from people who watched it and what their thoughts were. It says, just watch the first four episodes of The Peripheral on Prime. And dang, I'm hooked. Always been a sucker for good sci-fi world building. And this doesn't disappoint. That said, it took me about until halfway through episode two to really get sold. Hey, that's fine. That's always my thing. Like, I, I know it sounds silly and counterintuitive, but it's like, don't, if you're going to watch a new show, I say give it more than one episode. I always say minimum of two episodes. And then call it quits. Because some people are like, well, the first episode was slow. I'm like, well, of course. It's the first episode. Oh, it's so tough, too. If you look at the streaming services, if they don't have retention after two episodes, they cancel it almost every time. And oh, I'm talking yeah. like 70, 80 percent-ish. Uh-huh. If you go to like 50, they just ax you. I mean, that's what nope. happened to Cowboy Bebop immediately. Mm-hmm. But I like this. I agree. I think the genre is great. Sci-fi, future, world building, you know, the whole like, oh, we have something to stop. I mean, every bad Nicolas Cage action movie has him like predicting the future or something, Mm -hmm. or at least the one that I'm remembering right now off the top of my head, where he could see like five minutes into the future. And he's like, the world's going to get nuked. And I'm like, I don't know how you're going to fix this problem in five minutes, man. I remember that. Okay. So Facebook, I'll go through Facebook watch and I'll make the mistake of watching one video and then getting a million of them. Like, I get a lot of music videos for whatever reason. I don't want to watch music videos on Facebook. But I get every now and then, I don't know if you've seen this, where random Facebook pages will post 
video clips either from movies or TV shows and they'll basically cut it up so you get the main story, which is usually what I like. You get the whole story in like five minutes. Oh, okay. I like that. However, because technology is so quote unquote good now, they know that if they put the audio up, that it'll get flagged. So what they do to, to counter this, and I've had, a, they, there's two things you can do. If you're trying to post, okay, don't, don't do this kids. Don't but do if this. you're trying to post video content, that's not yours and you don't want to get a copyright flag. A lot of times I've noticed they will either put like a weird border around it. So visually like it won't read it as the same video. This happens a lot in like pimple popping videos. My mom was like, why uh, do they have like the, the flower border? They have border of like dogs. I'm like, mom, it's so that they don't get the videos taken down. I don't know. Um, but what they'll also do for like a TV show or whatever, they'll speed up the audio a lot. So they huh. kind of sound like chipmunks. Oh. It's like, rah, 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 rah. But that way, so they can't, uh, it won't flag it. Oh, like, if weird. You, if you ever try to post a video and you are playing loud music on like Facebook or whatever, they won't let you post it. Yeah. Well, I can't blame them. You got to give people their credit. But well, like even on like if it's just a personal page, because I had a video of my nephew dancing with a song playing really loud and they just muted my video and like would let me post it. Just no audio. Oh, OK. I, I do know what you're talking about now with mm-hmm. the muting and stuff that. Yeah, yes. I mean, I I get it. There's nothing worse than when you have an awesome video mm-hmm. and there's something in the background or, you know, your buddy's cursing and you're like, God, <sighs> Jack, all I told you to do nope. was not do that. But I'm trying to remember the whole point of this story, what we're talking about. Oh, Nicolas Cage and his lovely explosion movie oh, where he could I, see the future. I actually got to watch that whole point of that movie in one of these clips. I went shortened it to like seven minutes and I watched that whole movie with just like. Oh, that's funny. And like somebody put a board around it. You won't believe what this father went through. And it's like, OK, you got me. Did you see him save the world? I don't think it will. I don't know if it's the same movie because at the end, he, I think he just kind of gives up and like his kids get saved by the aliens or something. Oh my god! Did I watch the same movie? Maybe uh, it's a it's been a movie. long. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie. You might be right. They but might like just the, die. Whole, the whole world just dies, and he's like, "Save my children." Yeah, just a spoiler alert for uh, movie directors out there. Not a spoiler, but a word of caution: uh, when everyone dies at the end of your movie. I hope that was the theme you were going for, because that's usually a tragedy. Called Knowing, right? Yes, that's it. 2009 science fiction thriller film. Uh, I think that was the one where, yeah, like everyone dies, but like, yeah, his kids get saved at the end. Oh, well, look at that. I didn't even remember. Apparently, it doesn't save everybody. I think. I'm pretty sure, and I watched it on Facebook. You know what's funny? I did say that he was supposed to stop a nuke that goes off, but you can only see five minutes into the future. It makes sense that he fails, so I guess that... It was a solar flare that strikes and destroys all of the Earth's atmosphere and all the life on the planet, but the Ark was the aliens. That's what it was. Not a nuke. A solar flare, of course. Well, it goes to show you how much I thought of the movie. I mean, I'm actually curious to see how well it did uh, Rotten Tomatoes style. Oh, boy. So, actually, you know, I'll take a peek at this while we do a thing. The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Hey! hey we're here. Oh, that movie did not do good. No! <laughs> My kinda, childhood. I kind of want to go see it. Oh, God. How bad? Are we talking at least 20s? Uh, better. Ooh, okay. 30s? 30. Uh, tomato meter, 34%. Yeah. 42% audience score. Oh, well. And it was from the, was it the people who did iRobot? Okay, iRobot was good. But I mean, like, who who from iRobot was it? Yeah, who was, <laughs> was it? The caterer. Yeah, was it the caterer? Was it the third director? Was it the light man? You know, you never know. <laughs> uh, Rose Byrne was in it all. Okay, cool. Uh, but I did want to get into the movies that have are coming out this week or did come out this week, uh, including Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. 
are you hoping to see go see it this weekend? Gareth has convinced me. Yeah, I think that you shouldn't go into it believing that it's like we said going to be a uh, uh, an action movie. You're going to go into it thinking of like almost like a send off to his character and you know kind of dealing with that trauma of losing someone mm-hmm. unexpectedly. I'm very much. I've mentioned this before. I'm really excited to see how much of the uh, like. Aztec and Mexican ancient like elements that they incorporate. I, I did see in some, in, I've been getting a lot of videos and pictures of them doing their press releases with Tenoch Huerta, who is Namor. And he did one where he's like dancing merengue with uh, Lupita Nyango, who I believe actually uh, spent some time living in Mexico. Oh, that's cool. Hence the name Lupita. Yeah, the, well, I saw the visuals and the costume designs mm-hmm. were amazing. So, But I love that there is like, you know, you have your Wakanda forever, the X across your chest. And then they have like a new one for um, like Namor and his people, which is it, it's there's elements from like Aztecan kind of what are they called? Um, not not filigree. It's a uh, dance movements. No, what you see like on the walls of pyramids. Calligraphy. Calligraphy is that calligraphy? Calligraphy. No, calligraphy is the the That's fancy. That's the thing I learned to do in middle school. <laughs> picture, pic- you know what um, I'm saying? Hydroglyphics, yeah. hydroglyphic type. I, there you go. That kind of thing. We f- we sussed it out. Yeah, took me a minute, but as of right now, it is getting 84 percent on the tomato meter. It's a Hydukin. Oh yeah. I just looked Hi- at it. Yes, very Hydukin vibes. Hydukin. Uh, I hope just like it would be nice to see it this weekend. It is the little brother's birthday, so I don't know if I'll be able to. And we're going to go ahead and cancel all those plans. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kid. You're not getting your birthday party after all. Does he like to do dances? Maybe he'll like it. <laughs> I, he has not been at the movies yet. Oh. We have not taken him because it's COVID. Ah, that's smart. What's his favorite mo- at-home movie then? He calls it the Big Train movie. Big Train! It is the Polar Express. Oh, man. He wow. loves the Polar Express. Yes, the the animation's not as bad as we, we remember it, but there are times where I'm like, oh, God, their mouths look weird, like the inside of their mouths. Oh, yeah, we've come a long way with that. Yeah, so I'm like, I would love for them to, like, touch it up, make well, it look nicer. I got to tell you, I don't think uh, this movie is going to be much like the Big Train movie, so no, eh, we'll wait on that one. I don't one. think he's going <laughs> to like this one so much, but I'm excited because I know we've seen her in the trailer and obviously in like IMDb and all that, but we're going to be seeing the first appearance of Riri Williams' Ironheart. Oh, okay. So that is what we saw in the uh, trailers. Uh, like 99% sure, plus, you know, says it on Rotten Tomatoes There as well. you go. Always ruining everything for people sometimes, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but there is uh, another movie. It actually, it came out a couple of weeks ago, limited release in theaters, because that's what Netflix does nowadays. They'll release it so they are uh, applicable to get awards and stuff. Uh, but it just released, I think, earlier this week on Netflix, and this is Enola Holmes 2. Enola Holmes 2. I didn't see Enola Holmes 1. It was a lot of fun. I actually really dug it. It has Millie Bobby Brown as the younger sister of Sherlock Holmes, played by Henry Cavill. There we go. Henry Cavill was Sherlock Holmes? Yes. When? What? Yeah. He played him in the first movie. It's really well done. It does have very big vibes of like female empowerment. Uh, Her mother is played by Helena Bottom Carter. Oh, cool. It's a lot of fun. I I'm, I don't want to say, like, Joe, you'll love this movie. I think you would appreciate it. I don't think you'll, like, love it. I love a good detective story. Who played Watson? Did they have Watson? I don't think they did have <gasps> a Watson. No. I guess that makes sense. She would play that Watson character almost as growing up as, you know, a new Sherlock kind of a thing. Yeah, like, they did do Sherlock and Mycroft. Mycroft was played by Sam. Oh, what's his face? He was in The Hunger Games. He's one of those faces, like, you see it, you'll know who that is. Oh, I got you. Got me, Pip. Um... It was it was cute, like Sam Claff, Claflin, Claflin is his name. Claff. He played Mycroft, and he was such a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> the first movie got ninety one percent on the tomato meter, seventy one percent audience score. Uh, honestly, I do recommend watching it. 
it was a lot of fun. Fiona Shaw was in it. Uh, they did have Inspector Lestrade in it. I, yeah, I don't think there was a Watson. Yeah, I'm not seeing a Watson. Interesting. And Millie Bobby Brown was actually a producer in the in the movie, the first one. Fun. Oh, I, I liked her in Stranger Things. So right, ninety three percent on the tomato meter for the second movie, eighty one percent audience score. Wow, even better than the first. You rarely get that. I'm seeing a lot of people. I was like, Are we going to get a third? Are we going to get a fourth? We need more of these, and it's just super cute, fun. Um, well, you got more Henry Cavill time. I know he's mm-hmm. done with The Witcher, so I know, but he might be doing other stuff. Speaking, of which did you see the the uh, poster for Liam Hemsworth's Witcher? No, is it oh, a real poster? I don't know if it's real or not, or if it's fake. But I saw a picture, and I went, "All you haters that thought that he wasn't going to look like The Witcher, were wrong." <laughs> oh, yeah. It says uh, what he, Liam Hemsworth could look like as. Yeah, I, I think it was just a fan one, but he does look good. I, it doesn't look like it could be far off. People forget how well, how good these makeup artists are, and like with the wigs and the, and you know, and the the dirt and the beard. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, I once I saw that fan art, I was like, yeah. I mean, I'm this, here for it. I could see it, and honestly, I think it's going to work fine. Can he act as well as Henry? Who knows? We'll see I again. Mean, Henry I, was a stern guy in the role. Like, he didn't say much anyways, so. Liam Hemsworth has, he was in The Hunger Games, and he's been in a couple other movies where it's, like, romantic comedies, um, like, The Last Song. Like, not romantic comedy. That's, like, the, like, a girl movie. Like, I don't want to say a girl movie, but you know what I mean. Chick flick. Chick flick. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm, I feel like he could. He is the brother of Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Oh, he was definitely, he was in The Expendables 2, Independence Day. I feel like after Hunger Games, he hasn't been, like, he wasn't as big as I thought he was going to be, especially with having Chris Hemsworth as your brother. He became Party Thor. You got to watch out. You know, his brother's Thor. He's Party Thor. So, you know, he was just partying. And their older brother, the other Hemsworth, who was in Westworld, actually appeared as Thor, the actor Thor, when Matt Damon was uh, Loki. Oh, yes. So the guy okay. who played Thor in like their little plays was actually Hemsworth. That's awesome. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change my name to Hemsworth because I want to be a Thor. <laughs> I want a cameo. <laughs> I could be young Thor. And I don't well, know. <laughs> it's all tied together. But if you're kind of feeling more in the holiday mood, right? You know, it's, it's November, but a lot of people are like, doesn't matter. This is pre-Christmas. Then we have Thanksgiving and then we have Christmas again. There's pre-pre-Christmas, then yep. pre-Christmas, then Christmas, <laughs> and then Christmas after. Right. Or Christmas after dark. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Christmas part deux. That's right. Uh, but we already got a holiday movie coming out this week, and it is called Spirited. Okay. This is has two really great actors, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Octavia Spencer is also in this. Tracy Morgan, funny enough. Going to take a shot in the dark and say it's a comedy? Oh, yeah. It is a modern musical rendition of Charles Dickens' classic holiday story, A Christmas Carol. And after kind of digging into it a little bit more, I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean exactly? What is, like, a new adaptation? So I went on Wikipedia to get more information. It says, each Christmas Eve, the ghost of Christmas present, which I believe is Will Ferrell, selects one dark soul to be reformed by a visit from three spirits. But this season, he picked the wrong Scrooge. Clint Briggs turns the tables on his ghostly host until present finds himself re-examining his own past, present, and future. For the first time, A Christmas Carol is told from the perspective of the ghosts in this hilarious musical twist on the classic Dickens tale. What? Yeah, Will Ferrell plays... Ghost of Christmas Present, and Ryan Reynolds is Clint Briggs. This sounds awesome. It, so if you're on TikTok, or if maybe you're not, but there is there was this viral song, I can be blue, I can be brown, I can be anything. But 
there is a funny ass video with them dressed up in their costumes and not knowing what the hell are they dressed up as. Obviously, they were filming this movie and both Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds sing the song together. And it is awesome. I definitely recommend just just Google that. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Have they ever been in a movie together? I don't know. Because I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of all the Will Ferrell movies. Step Brothers, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, ha, 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 uh, <laughs> Talladega Nights, uh, Blades of Glory, like all these movies, you know, Wedding Crashers. Not, none of these movies had Ryan Reynolds in them. He wasn't a Green uh, Lantern. I don't think so. So this might be the first time we get to see them together on screen. And I mean, they're going to troll the crap out of each other. Uh, it says there was one called Dick back in 1999. Well, I, yeah, they were. Ah, uh, that's, that's too long ago. <laughs> yeah, it had Kristen Dunst, Michelle Williams. I, I'm sure they wasn't really any kind of. It wasn't as we thing. know them today. I mean, it was 23 years ago. Yeah, holy crap. Feeling no. old yet? I am. That's not the first time I felt old today, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, thank but, you. But he's not, they're not in the usual repertoire. It's not like a John C. Ryan, uh, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here for it. There is one, it's one of those like, okay, I need to hear more information about this. It says horror mystery thriller, and I'm like, I don't want to watch it because I'm scared. <laughs> it doesn't have any ratings yet, but I love the idea of this. Okay. It's uh, called The Friendship Game. And it's the friendship game follows a group of teens as they come across a strange object that tests their loyalties to each other and has increasingly destructive consequences the deeper into the game they go. Oh, my gosh. It's like Saw with a partner. Saw with Jumanji. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's the vibe I'm getting. Oh, just watch out for the Ouija board. It's there somewhere. Oh, by the way, I don't think I mentioned Spirited uh, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Not which, I mean, makes sense. Oh, that is also on Apple TV+. Plus. Thank you, Vicky. So if you have Apple TV+, Plus, please watch it. Let me know. I will find a way to get it. But this lovely horror movie is not something Vicky's going to watch. Next. But if you do end up watching it, please let me know. It's going to be in theaters. You can buy it on Apple TV or Vudu. Vudu. V-U-D-U. Makes sense. And until That's next scary. time, guys, <laughs> stay nerdy.